0: You're listening to the Trinity Ministries Podcast. For more information and to support our ministry, go to www.trinityhudson.org. It's from our church, people that are, are involved in our ministry or, or people that are are connected with our church. And um, Steve and Patty, uh, as you've seen them around, uh, they are very involved in the ministry here and and have led in so many different ways uh, this is three for three now, Steve. Three services, spontaneous applause for you. So that's awesome. He's at our soundboard in the back today. So um, as we have been putting these, these, these videos together, these stories, uh, Stephen Paddy's was actually the very first one we recorded. And um, after looking at that, we just kind of went, wow, that would be perfect for Easter Sunday for so many different reasons. And a couple of those reasons are, are, are pretty much this where you are right now is a gathering of people who are together to celebrate that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Amen? He's, he rose from the dead. We, we are Christ followers. We are Christians. We are people who believe that God loves us so much that there's nothing that we could do um, to, to, to gain his uh, acceptance or approval. It's all from what Jesus Has done, and so um, one of the things that Steve said is that he didn't have this, you know, heavens parting and the clouds open, whoa, angels coming down kind of experience, right? It was just sort of a development that he that he knew from baptism. He just he knew that Jesus loved him, and as he got engaged in in not only just the ministry but just relationships here, um, his faith grew and grew and grew. And I just love that. But but then, I don't know if you remember what Patty said on her side of it. She was sitting here in this room for an Easter service many years ago, and all of a sudden she realized, wait, the God of the universe died, or sent Jesus, his only son, to, to die for me. Not, for, yes, for everybody, but... It hit Patty for me. And no matter what I've done, no matter where I've come from, the, the things that I know in my life that I just want to hide away, and I was like, oh, I wish I wouldn't have done that. I wish I wouldn't have said that. I wish that relationship never happened. I just wish, All of that is forgiven, as Patty said. And that's why we celebrate. You know, kind of like a parent to a child relationship. That the parent, if you're a parent, you know that you love your kids really deeply, but they mess up. And you forgive them and you keep loving them. So it's that parent-child relationship. And as I was thinking about this morning and our, our time together, um, I had heard a pastor talk a little bit about this story and I said, oh, that is so me because I have the same experience. And I know many of you that what I'm going to share have, has that same ex- is going to have the same experience. You're going to go, yes, I remember this. So when I was growing up, my dad was the director of choirs at Arizona State, so in the music business, if you will. And that afforded him the opportunity to go and travel to different places to do adjudication and judging other choirs and things around the United States. And whenever he would come home, he would walk in the front door, and all of us, there were four of us kids, and you know we were little, little kids, we would come running up, daddy, 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 and what would we say? What did you bring me? And my dad would put his suitcase, his luggage down, and he'd go, me. And we would go, aww. And so he would, and he would just kind of get up, and, and, he, would, he, would go into the, and he would always go right to the, to, the, to the bedroom, and he'd put his suitcase on the, on the bed and flip it over because he always unpacked right away. And so all of us kids, four kids, would kind of come running to the edge of the door, and we're kind of peeking around the corner. And he's going through his suitcase, getting stuff out, and he always did the exact same thing. He would be getting his stuff out, and he, he could see us over here, and he would grab some stuff, and he would go, Oh! How did this get here? Every single time. Every single time. And then he would give us trinkets. And it wasn't anything big. It was like the free wings you get on from a pilot, you know. Oh, pilot wings, wow. So, so I grow up. And as a pastor, um, have had the, just the blessing of going around the country, speaking at different events and doing conferences and stuff. So it, it, that's been fun. When my kids were little, I would come home, and I would walk in the door, and you'll never guess what happened. My kids would come running up, daddy, 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 and they would say, what did you bring me? And I would say, me. And they would, they would say, and that's all we want. <laughs> and we would circle up for prayer time, right there at the, no, of course not, of course not. No, they would do the exact same thing. What did you bring me? But, but that really illustrates, I think, a lot of our relationships. Maybe you're in a relationship right now that is just all about what did you bring me, right? What, what can I get from you and how do I get that? What can I get from you and how can I get that? In fact, that's kind of the phrase that we take a look at today. What do, what do I get and how do I get it? And the problem with this kind of attitude in any kind of relationship, if you have this attitude in your relationship, is this. The problem is this. It is impossible to have an authentic relationship with someone from whom you're always trying to get something. It's impossible to have an authentic relationship with someone from whom you're always trying to get something. Why? Well, it's because you have an agenda. You have an agenda. The words that you say are twisted so that you don't want to offend the person, you don't want to offend the giver and make them mad because then they won't give you what you want. Or you say certain things to manipulate them into getting what you want. Many of you are maybe in relationships right now like that. Maybe you're in a marriage like that. That you or the other person, all, you, all, all you, it feels like it's all what can I get from you. What can I get from you and how do I get that? Well, if you're in that relationship or if you've had relationships like that, you actually kind of feel what Jesus felt um, when he was uh, on the earth because um, even if you're new to faith... Uh, basically, the story of Jesus was three, three-plus years he, he started his ministry, meaning he stepped out and said, hey, I'm going to start preaching. I'm going to start healing. I'm going to do these miracles that I'm called to do as part of my mission. And uh, he, he grew in popularity really quickly. I mean, his Instagram likes were just like, whoa, super fast. Because pe- be- and here's why. He started teaching that women matter to God. <gasps> He started teaching that kids have value in the sight of God. Now, for us, that's kind of foreign, right? We, we, we know that, that everybody, men, women, children, everybody has value in the sight of God. But back then, the only, really the main thrust that the church was teaching, that the religious leaders were teaching, was that it's, it's a hierarchy. We're most important. Then there's men. Then, then there's, you know, all these subgroups below that. But Jesus is saying every single person has value. You have value in the sight of God. Which was crazy, crazy um, teaching back then. He was teaching how to manage money. He was teaching how to uh, be a good husband, how to be a good wife, how to have relationships. He was teaching all kinds of amazing things. And so people were leaving the religious leaders and just flocking to, they were taking buses to see him preach out in the desert. There were just tons of people around him. Some of them were there because they knew he was the Messiah and they thought, this is God he is God. Most of the people were there because they were asking, what can I get and how can I get it? What can I get from you, Jesus? How am I going to get that from you? People were bringing um, uh, uh, kids who were sick. They were bringing crippled people. They were bringing all kinds of people. and, And God is like, and Jesus is like, yeah, bring them on. That's awesome. I love to do that. But he's like, wait a second. There's so much more to who I am, is what he said. Very popular. And then about a year before he went to the cross, he started saying crazy things. He started predicting his death. He started saying, hey, I'm, I, I don't know if you guys know this, to his disciples. He goes, I'm going to be handed over, I'm going to be beaten up, and I'm going to die on a cross. Didn't really necessarily say that, but I'm going I'm to die and then rise again on the third day. And so people started listening to him and going, whoa, this guy's not quite who we thought he was and they started to fall away by the time the last week happened right before his death it was pretty grim for his popularity status he had the last supper he went out into the garden of gethsemane and uh at that time even people were like whoa i can't get anything from him anymore because all of a sudden he gets arrested and when your giver gets arrested he's not going to be able to give you anything anymore and they walk away and turn away from him Not everybody, but some. And he's arrested and he's beaten and he's put on a cross, which is a criminal's death. That's how criminals die, is on a cross. And at that point, the cross of Christ is where the people back then and you have to decide, am I in it for what Jesus can give me or am I in it for Jesus? That's what the disciples had to face too. Am I in it because of what Jesus can give me? Or am I in it because I love Jesus? He dies on the cross. It was confirmed that he was dead by the the Roman soldiers. And um, they put him in a a tomb uh, that wasn't even prepared. It was just sort of in the process of being built. And the person of Jesus was dead. Now, Many of you have had people who have died in your family, right? Many of you have had loved ones, grandparents, parents. Many of you have had kids, uh, friends that have passed away. And you've heard, you know, you, you hear the news. You remember at the cross of Christ, at the crucifixion, most of his disciples ran away. They weren't even there. And so the news gets back to the disciples that Jesus was dead. And so in our situation too, you know, you you hear about the car accident, and you're ushered into the back room of a hospital, and a chaplain and a policeman come in and they say, You better sit down because your daughter's dead. Or you get that phone call from the nursing home. Hey, just want to let you know your mom passed away in her sleep. It's the same emotion that the disciples and the people felt back then. We've lost somebody. We love, and if you were the disciples, if I was a disciple, what would we do? Well, we would do exactly what we do now. We prepare for a funeral, right? We prepare for a funeral, and so the women of the group um, they they actually were the ones responsible for anointing and preparing the body uh, for the actual burial. Uh, and so that's kind of where we pick it up in our story today of the resurrection. John 20 is where we're going to be at. So again, you can look on your Bible or if you have our app, the Bible app is on there too. Um, verses will be up here. So the, the picture is this. The disciples are kind of huddled going, what do we do? The women say, well, I, we know the next thing, and that's to prepare Jesus' body for official burial. So here's the story. Early on the first day of the week, so Jesus dies on, depending on which calendar you're looking at, on Thursday night, Friday morning, early, I'm sorry, Friday, and then first day of the week would be Sunday. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb, again, bringing, other Gospels say, pounds, 40 pounds about of spices um, to anoint the body. Uh, And they were wondering, well, how are we going to get the big stone away? Because back then, they just dug a hole in the rock, Put the, put the person in, anointed their body, got it prepared with spices, rolled a stone in front, and then that was about it. So they were wondering about this two-ton stone. And when they got there, they saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So they didn't even go in. They were like, what? So they go running back to Simon Peter, and I love this. So this is John's gospel. John is the writer. This is his document uh, that he's writing, his account of what happened back then. Um, so he never, he's one of these, he's, he's, he's humble, but he's also arrogant. So he writes this and he refers to himself as the other disciple. So, so she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple. And then he says, you know, that one, the one Jesus loved, that's me. And he said, uh, the women said, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple, John, started running t- or started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple, yeah, he outran Peter. I, th- I actually think that this is a joke. In the, in the original Greek, there's a little twist of phrases that are happening. And I think that in his seriousness of this, I think John is just digging into Peter and the other disciples. I think this is kind of a, a funny thing that he's throwing for comic relief. So both were running. The other disciple, meaning me, outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over. Now, picture this. Peter bends over, looks in at the strips of linen lying there, but he didn't go... Sorry, John did this, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter finally catches up behind him. He went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. So it was a quick burial. They wrapped the body, they wrapped the head, either inside or outside of the the bigger linen, and they just laid it in the tomb for preparation uh, later. Finally, the other disciple who had reached the tomb first, that'd be me, John says. So three times he's saying, I'm better. The other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside and he, get this, he saw and believed. So what did he believe about Jesus before this? You ever think about that? What He was with Jesus for three plus years, seeing Jesus do these amazing things, teach these amazing things, miracles, healings, all these kinds of things. But it's only now that he believed what Jesus had said. In fact, he even says in the next verse, they still didn't understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. If they did, here's what I think. Would, you know, If they believed that Jesus was the Messiah and that he was going to rise from the dead, they would all be outside the tomb, right? Okay, ready? Ten, nine, eight, cue the sun, seven. 7 8, they'd be waiting, but they didn't know. The penny hadn't dropped. The connection didn't, didn't happen yet. Then the disciple went back to where they were staying. And they leave, and they actually leave Mary outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and then saw two angels uh, in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and and the other at the foot. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? Kind of a dumb question, I think. (laughs) Why are you crying? Well, they have taken my Lord away, she says, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing right there, but she didn't recognize that it was Jesus. I think it was just grief. I mean, not only did she just see her, her Lord, her master, her rabbi, her teacher die, but now the body's gone. Grief on this kind of level does a lot of crazy things to you. If you've never experienced it, trust me, it does weird, wacky things to your head. And I think she was just in such grief at this point. Uh, so he, uh, Jesus, asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will get him. And then Jesus says something to Mary that is so powerful, and, and, and I don't even know how to preach on it yet. It, it occurred to me this morning in our first service, and, and I... Maybe next year, come back next year, I'll figure out how to preach that. But he says something so powerful and so life changing, and it's one simple word. Jesus said to her, Mary, he calls her by name. He calls you by name. And what happens? She turned to him and recognized that it's Jesus, her Savior, her teacher, her master, alive. Can you imagine what it would be like to have your loved one knock on the door who's passed away just a couple of days earlier and all of a sudden say your name? That's life changing. That's what Jesus does. So she turns to him, cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said, and and basically is just all over, just hugging him, trying to hug him. And, And Jesus says, don't hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I'm ascending to my father and to your father, to my God and to your God. And Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord, and she told them all that she had seen, all these things that happened. Uh, When It was her and the other women that were there. And the funny thing is, uh, the disciples didn't really believe her. They thought she was a little bit nuts at that point, until it was confirmed to them. Um, Over the next few weeks, Jesus actually appears to different individuals. He appears to different smaller groups. He appears, at one point, uh, Paul says in Corinthians, to 500 people at the same time. So all of these chairs in here, our second service, we had 330 people in here plus, as we could tell, 330 people crammed in here. So it would be all of that group plus all of us in here, basically about 500 people total, and Jesus comes and stands right here. Don't you think that 500 people could confirm that he was alive? Don't you think that would be kind of a good indication so if that is true, it confirms that Jesus was alive, that Jesus being alive, dying and rising from the dead, it's incontroversible, incontrovertible, it's true, Jesus rising from the dead. And if Jesus rose from the dead, guess what? Everything that he said and did beforehand leading up to that is also true, that he is the Messiah, and that he is the only one, there's only one name by which you're saved, and it's Jesus Christ. It's not Muhammad, it's not Buddha, it's not all the other religions that are not grounded on Jesus Christ as Savior. It's Jesus Christ is the only way, the truth, and the life. And if somebody predicts their death and rises from uh, their death and resurrection and pulls it off, I'm going to believe that guy. Not everybody else. So Jesus is alive. And one, one last thing I want to, want to kind of end with. That question that we started with, remember, you know, what do I get and how do I get it? Can you imagine Jesus saying that to his heavenly father? Going to him and saying, hey, dad, Abba, what do I get and how do I get, how do I get it? And the response from the heavenly father would say, here's what you get, Jesus. You get people you get lives because every single life every single one of you matters to God and then Jesus says, "Well, how am I going to do that?" God says, "I got a plan." And it's the death and the res- and, and rising again to get those people to get you which brings us to us, what do you get if you believe in Jesus, if you acknowledge him as Savior, if you, if you ha- let go of the, the, the stranglehold you have on your life and you just say, Jesus, I can't do this anymore. I, I, I'm surrendering it all to you. What do you get? You get peace. Your life might not get better. It might even get worse. But you know that no matter what happens, you have peace. You have a God who walks alongside you, who never leaves you. If you, if you want to just live your life by yourself and, and try and plow through life without any kind of connection with, with God or spirituality, good luck. But with God, there's peace, there's understanding, there's purpose, there's meaning in your life. That's what you get. How do you get it? Well, that's kind of the question of the ages for theologians, because you don't get it, you simply receive it. You don't get it, you simply receive it. And all it is, again, by faith going, God, I just, I'm just tired of how things are going. I, I just, I, I want you to take over the reins of my life, whatever that looks like. And so in just a minute, we're going to pray and kind of close with that idea with that question that, you, that we started with, what is it that I get when I'm with Jesus, and how do I get it? Now, some of you, you know, I know that you've never really experienced God's grace before, and this is kind of all new to you. Or some of you might be like Steve and, and have been coming to church or away from church or, or, or the gathering, either our church or maybe a home church where you're from, and you've never engaged in ministry, which means you're probably not growing on any kind of level. Maybe God's moving you to get engaged where you are, or maybe you're feeling like you just this morning, you just simply are so grateful for the gifts that he's given you, for your family, for this place, for all the things that that you have been um, blessed with um, undeservedly. Whatever that is, we're just going to pray about all that, and I'm just going to trust that the Holy Spirit um, is touching each of your hearts uh, in that, um, and especially in that message that Whatever is dead in your life could be raised from the dead. Amen? Let's stand to pray. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this Easter Sunday, which is the template for all the Sundays that we worship and gather, Um, that we especially think today about uh, the disciples going and seeing the tomb empty and then you reconfirming that you are alive by just showing up right there and then, not waiting, but showing up to the women, Father. And Father, in our own lives, as we contemplate what this means, um, that, you are, that you have risen from the dead, allow each of us to really go to you and go, okay, God, here is where I am in my life. I don't know what the next step is, but I just ask that you would give, um, give clarity and give guidance. But above all, God, I want to just release and receive your forgiveness, receive your grace, because it's in that grace, God, that you've given me purpose and meaning in life. Thank you, God. Guide us, direct us, and lead us. In Jesus' name, and all of us said together, amen. (laughs)